0: to the Deadology Podcast from Pencil Hill Studio, New Pulse, New York. I'm your host, Howard Weiner. And you may have noticed a different introduction, a different musical introduction to the podcast today. That's because it's February, and February is Jerry Garcia Band Month. We're going to be delving and diving into Jerry Garcia Band shows uh, throughout the month to celebrate the great music of that band with... uh, Merle Saunders, Melvin Seals, John Kahn, all the way through. Uh, Yeah, so it's going to be an exciting month here on the podcast. Today's February 5th, 2024, and tomorrow will be the 52nd anniversary of the Pacific High Studio Show in San Francisco uh, from 1972. Uh, One of the greatest uh, shows ever, undoubtedly, um, by Jerry Garcia. And also, besides uh, listening to audio highlights and going through the uh, show, we also got an interview with uh, one of Jerry's former keyboardists. He was there uh, for the Garcia Band in 79 and 1980, Ozzy Allers. I did an interview with him a few years back. And throughout the month, we're going to play different parts of the interview. I think you're going to like... Uh, what you're gonna hear today, Ozzy talking about Jerry, his reflections on Jerry. Um, he he loved the guy, as everybody did. Uh, so we'll get to that after we go through the Pacific High studio tape. Um, talking about it as a tape, uh, it was the first Jerry Garcia show I ever got on cassette tape. Man, I was blessed when, um, among my first shows, I had English Town 77, Cornell 77, um... Red Rocks 78, Buffalo 77, uh some great Phil shows and this was the first Jerry tape I got. I think it was my first dozen and that, that first uh box of Maxells I had. And wow, um never got a better one after this. Um in my book Positively Garcia, I ranked this as the best show ever uh for the, from the Jerry Garcia band uh format. Uh before we get into that show, let's um Take a look at a, a brief history of Pacific High, some of the cool things that happened in that studio. Um, Gar- when Garcia showed up on April 6, 1972, he was very familiar with the studio because he had spent a lot of time with the Grateful Dead in there as they were recording "Eo Maksoa. I think I said it right. It's the uh, Grateful Dead's third album, an album I love. I still don't know if I'm pronouncing the uh, title right, but uh, you know what I'm talking about. So they they were... They spent a lot of time in Pacific High Studio recording that, and they re-recorded it in San Mateo. Um, it was also called Pacific Recording Studio. Uh, so Jerry was familiar with the uh, with the studio. And then the Grateful Dead recorded their follow-up album, uh, Working Man's Dead, in Pacific High Studio as well. It was a much simpler session and definitely more successful. So uh, Jerry Garcia definitely felt at home in Pacific High and a couple of great pieces besides this show there's two other amazing pieces of musical history that took place in there Um, on September 11th 1971 Van Morrison uh, performed the show for a small audience in the studio and I've heard a lot of Van Morrison uh, bootlegs of different concerts this is the best one September 11th 1971 he does a cover of Dylan's just like a woman and he, he just come out with uh, Tupelo Honey. Uh, those were all new songs at the time and just everything that night is unbelievable. So this studio has magic and probably even bigger than that, uh, one of the greatest albums of all time was recorded in the studio, Sly and the Family Stone, Stand. I'm I would rank that in my top 50 albums of all time for sure. So obviously you got the great title track I want to take you higher. Everyday people, um, you can make it if you try. And there's a an intense uh, instrumental um, sex machine, like a nice eleven minute uh, instrumental. And uh, the one Jerry Garcia band connection would fly Sly and the Family Stone. Gregorico, the drummer uh, for Sly, would go on to play with Jerry Garcia band for a year or two. I think it was around 1983. He played with the uh, with the Jerry Garcia band. Uh, so yeah, all the, the great San Francisco musicians of the time and to to jump into the um, the, the show on February 6, 1972 um, I was looking at at my book positively Garcia Reflections of the JGB and I, I read the first paragraph or two and I was like I, I thought it was a pretty cool description not to pat myself on the, on the shoulder for it but I, I think I'm just gonna read right from the book just to describe. The awesome opening track of this Pacific High show, which also was the musical intro which I used uh, for the podcast segment here. Here we go. As Garcia, Saunders, Kahn, and Kreutzman launch into It Takes a Lot to Laugh, It Takes a Train to Cry, time is suspended by the hypnotic groove. It's a Dylan tune yet there are no lyrics to ponder. The repetitive riff is sublime, frisco blues, as mysterious and vast as the Pacific, yet heavenly and cool in the style of miles. Garcia's snapping strings sing a lonely lullaby, poetry in motion. The drummer and bassist are locked in tight, and the beat bounces brightly, as the earthy vibrations of the Hammond organ swirl in and out and all around. oral ecstasy. The blues riff, this blues riff, will never sound this good again, and the musicians know it. There's a song to be sung, somewhere down the line. But the band proceeds deliberately, intent on basking in the moment. A modest studio gathering and a privileged West Coast FM radio audience are listening in on this intimate musical conversation. Out of the mesmerizing groove, a mellifluous voice suddenly whispers, K-S-A-N in San Francisco. Ordinarily, this type of interruption would defile a masterpiece like a scar on the Mona Lisa, but the lady DJ sounds sultry, and it seamlessly intertwines with the music as if it were preordained. And if ever a radio station deserved to beat their chest, K-S-A-N deserved props for broadcasting this jam from Pacific High Studios on 60 Brady Street in San Francisco. The musicians in the studio couldn't hear the radio call letters, but Garcia seemingly spurred on as if he could hear the DJ's titillating tones. With each round, his leads become more pronounced and provocative. Garcia's obviously an inspired man, possibly possessed. Alright, you get the point. A pretty amazing intro to It Takes a Lot to Laugh, It Takes a Train to Cry. Uh, Jerry proceeds to sing the verse, which isn't Dylan's first verse. Uh, He only did two verses on this night, mixed up the order. Um, But the singing's beautiful regardless. This is the second time uh, Garcia attempted this song. And down the road, he would play more perfect versions where he got all the verses right, and there were longer instrumental solos in between the verses. But there's just something about that—the way this one starts off, man—it's just it's so hypnotic. It captures, you know, just the beauty of Dylan's song and Garcia's unique way, and perfectly sets the tone for the music for the music to come on this night. Uh, so we got a great, a uh, great opening, uh, and then. Uh, There's some tuning going on in the studio, and then Garcia jokes with somebody, uh, he hollers out, everything's going to be all right, and right on that, as if it were the count-off of the song, um, they jump into Expressway to Your Heart, Um, a song written by Gamble and Huff, uh, the famous songwriting team, and it was a hit song uh, by the Soul Survivors, Expressway to Your Heart. And... Just to tell it, tell it like it is right away. This may be the best instrumental Garcia ever did in his career. If somebody you know said to me, "Hey, what's the best instrumental Jerry ever played in his life?" My first thought would be this expressway from Pacific High Studio. It's it's that amazing, and there's two other uh, insane instrumentals with no with no words on this night. And even if I think of Grateful Dead performances, like, you know, you got some Clementine, and so there are some cool instrumentals that the Grateful Dead did. I don't know if anything is more perfect than this. And what is it about this night that made made these, these great songs just come alive? Well, I think it's the first time that Garcia found himself in a band outside the Grateful Dead where he was like, yes, this is it. Obviously, he had the this is it moment with the Grateful Dead, and he's been playing with them for... Yeah, it's 7 years at this point um but his little experiment with um Merle Saunders obviously those two guys hit it off and John Kahn also those just like when those guys found each other they were like this is it we are musical brothers and it's so rare that that can happen while you're in a band like if you think about the rolling stones or the beatles as they're as they're coming along It's not like, you know, Jagger or uh, Paul McCartney got to go join another band and have the best time of his life, and it didn't threaten uh, the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. Here, Garcia was able to find a couple of musical soulmates, and they just knew they had it going on, and it wasn't, it was a San Francisco group, and it wasn't any threat to the Grateful Dead, so it was like Garcia was able to join a a new band, and on this night, it's just like the confirmation that everything about uh, these guys playing together is, is just perfect. So we got uh, Saunders and Kahn and Billy Kreitzman's on drums, which I even think uh, adds to the magic here. Um, a, lot, a lot of these shows had Bill Vitt as the drummer around this time, but uh, I think Kreutzman was definitely the best fit. This four-man band it, it, it doesn't get better than this <laughs> anywhere in the musical world, uh, to be honest about it. but um, So this Expressway, it's just... It takes off. It's got the right, the right feel to it. The right, you know, just the right groove. It's it's so good, man. It, it totally celebrates uh, the the song by the Soul Survivors, um, but yet they're not they're not going to sing it because all they're interested in is the groove, jamming, and one of the things that keeps this interesting it's 12 minutes long. The song is a series of rolling peaks, At no point do you ever lose interest. or the band isn't driving it forward in in the right fashion. It's it's really it's an incredible thing. They did a bunch of expressways in 72, 73, 74 in that time period. But this one definitely sticks out. Uh, you use the word tight. This is tight. But yet, you know, it's it's in peak form all the way through. Really an incredible uh, instrumental to listen to. Um, I, I put this and also the uh, It Takes a Lot to Laugh. It Takes a tr- Train to Cry. I put versions of this on the Deadology podcast. If you want to hear the whole things right now, I'm just pay- playing some uh, snippets for you. Uh, portions of it, um, but yeah, definitely worth checking these out, I know the Garcia stuff is not as easy to access or find as the uh, the Grateful Dead stuff, so you can either find it on my YouTube Positively Garcia page, or the Deadology podcast I posted them this morning, but here's um, a little snippet, we're about, uh, as you listen to this, we're about 9-10 minutes into the expressway, and Garcia's just taking it up notch after notch, you know, just an incredible work here by the uh by they didn't call it the jerry garcia band at the time was i think it was just uh jerry garcia Merle saunders that's what how it was um announced or or billed that's the word i was looking for how how was built at the time but here you go a little expressway from pacific high studio Wow, a whole lot of soul and blues for you there on the first two songs. I can only imagine what it must have been like to be in a studio with those guys on that night, that lucky audience, man, in uh, Pacific High studio. And uh, a characteristic of any great show, one that you look at as the best ever, is the way the songs line up. And on on this night, just the the, the song selection is impeccable. Uh, The different uh, songwriters they go to um, obviously, Jerry had one of the best in the world With Robert Hunter uh, Right, uh, Probably nobody at this point uh, Was even close to Dylan Except for Hunter um, But yeah, so uh, This is his little break from the Grateful Dead He's just going to play all the songs That he loves And uh, Garcia uh, definitely took a liking To Jesse Winchester uh, His first album And uh, Winchester would Garcia would cover three songs by him that's a touch I like. Uh, Biloxi and every word you say. On this night, with the third song, uh, Garcia breaks into. That's a touch I. Uh, that's a touch I like. Now Jerry sang, uh, sang it. That's the touch. That's a touch I like. Because at the time, it was a misprint on on Winchester's album it said that's the touch I like. When they reissued it many years later, the correct title is that's a touch I like but regardless of that little thing Garcia liked, that's the touch I like, and that's the way he sang it, but just after after that expressway, this joyful uh, Jesse Winchester song, which probably the audience had no idea what it was, you just, when you hear Garcia singing this, and the the joy in his voice, red ribbons in her hair, I'm kind of glad that you put it there, that's the touch I like, it's just, it's such a, delightful song that you know i can't you know i can't even talk about how how great like just how exciting and and fun this song is so i never got to see it in my days i started seeing uh dead and garcia band 81 um so jerry dropped this from the rotation i'm uh, not sure why um such a it would have been like such a great instead of how sweet it is on occasion that's a that's a touch i like uh this this song has it man it just has has all the pop and excitement and um yeah you're gonna listen to this you're gonna love this um i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm not sure if i haven't uploaded this if i don't have it on my youtube page um that's my next project i think i'll do that tonight upload this such a great song it's incredible and then uh so we got th- we're three songs in and it's just uh it's the most succulent tape to listen to it's crazy so um f- the fourth song is the first original song we get from this band it's a it's a uh, Merle Saunders song, which is going to be on his upcoming album, uh, Save Mother Earth. His upcoming album would be uh, Heavy Turbulence. Very cool song. Obviously, it's going to be funky. Uh, you know, Merle wrote it. And um, Garcia gets into, from the funky groove, Garcia, for the first, maybe the only time during the show, takes it into almost like Grateful Dead tor- territory with like spacey, almost star like jamming uh, tor- towards the end of it. But a very very cool tune, man. Just uh, and one of the cool great things about this uh, this tape, it's this is the last time they played uh, "Save Mother Earth," and uh, so you, you only have a couple of occasions where you could, where you could hear it on uh, This is the third version. Only a few those three tapes where you could we could hear Gar- Garcia and uh, Merle playing it. Uh, besides the heavy turbulence, but uh, they do this incredibly on this night. And this is a, another instrumental. You got Save Mother Earth going into Imagine, uh, kind of like unusual also for Garcia to do a segue, but they, they do a segue into, uh, at least with the Garcia band, um, they do a segue into uh, John Lennon's Imagine, which had just recently come out and obviously was a huge hit. And um, I, I think they they really captured uh, the, the the beauty of the song here. There's no singing. It's an instrumental. And part part of what makes Imagine work is the lyrics almost have more power because the music behind it is so great. Just the feel of the music kind of drives uh, Imagine, at least from my standpoint. You look at you, you take you take the words away from the from the song, you put Imagine on a piece of paper, it's not that mind boggling, you know. But when you, when you hear the emotion of the music and Lennon's voice, uh, that's where the magic happens, and that's what Garcia uh, focused on, man. Just uh, Save Mother Earth and to Imagine, and the songs paired up so nicely. And, you know, like I was talking about how a a great performance, what makes a great performance, it's lining those songs up right. But putting Save Mother Earth and Imagine together, just incredible. Thematically, it's it's, it's a perfect perfect pairing, as was doing um, Takes a Train to Laugh and Expressways, you know, songs of uh, motion and solemn blues. And that type of pairing continues as the as the show goes on here. Uh, so those those five songs, if you if you had a cassette a cassette tape back in the day, those, that made up the first side of the tape. So also the way this this was presented and recorded, it was a perfect ninety minute tape. You know those five songs, and then you flip it over side B, and side B is another perfect uh, grouping of songs, and that starts off with "That's All Right, Mama." A little tribute to Elvis. You know, obviously, this um, Rolling Stones uh, magazine called this the first rock and roll song. Elvis's version of "That's All Right, Mama," and um, you know J- Jerry, you know loved Elvis, and I'm sure Merle, you know Merle did too. And Khan, they they kicked out an an intense version here, like four four solos. Just this had the it was the first song of the night that had that real straightforward rock and roll feel a great version of That's Alright Mama. And, uh, you know, Jerry kept it in the rotation on and off throughout uh, the next decade or two. Uh, That's Alright Mama, great tune, great presentation here by the band. And they follow that up with a song uh, which has been labeled as Who's Loving You Tonight. Uh, but it's actually, you know, once again, this works with the theme. The, the, the actual name of the song is That's Alright. It's a Jimmy Rogers song. So the, uh, the song starts off, um, KSAN uh, kind of missed the beginning of it. It starts off right in a Smoking Garcia jam. And this is just such a great, grinding blues song. Too bad we didn't get the whole thing, but there's enough here uh, to, you know, to see that they, they kept the momentum going. Great version, That's All Right, Jimmy Rogers. And then um, another just huge moment um, in this show, Uh Garcia plays the sec, his second time playing When I Paint My Masterpiece, uh, pretty much a new song uh, from Dylan um, that the band covered. And now, obviously, Weir played Masterpiece Down the Road, and Garcia did tons of, of masterpieces. When Dylan came out with this song, anyone listening, it's obvious the song is packed with some of the greatest imagery and greatest songwriting you'll ever hear in any song. But you know the, the way Dylan sometimes performs these; it just it goes by too quickly. It's just like one one thing after another, and you 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 almost can't take in the magnitude of how great his lyrics are. Uh, with Jerry playing it, you have no problem because he savors every lyric. The way he sings this is, is just incredible. You just hear the 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 amazement in his voice. He's he's saying, "Look at how great this line is." All the hours I spent in the Coliseum. Dodging lines and wasting time, and, and Jerry's just singing it, just like with with, with awe. like how did you could tell he's as he's singing this he's he's telling you how did the the, the genius of Bob Dylan man this is incredible. Um, there's just so many great lines and, and masterpiece, and I, I think that's why Weir wanted to sing it in the late '80s. You know, um, he, he was doing all the Dylan songs at that point for the Grateful Dead, but just it's it's one of those songs where just every every line is a, you know, like this is why Dylan is the greatest songwriter ever. And, um, also the the guitar jams, you know, we get two nice jams and that gives the listener additional time to kind of soak in how great of a song D- Dylan wrote is. And, um, yeah, and uh, Garcia does a total justice here from the singing to the, to the guitar solos there and the the bands with him a thousand percent, you know, this, this is the type of stuff Khan wants to play. Uh, Merle wants to play. Of course, Billy Kreutzman is all in, you know, so just, uh. When I Paint My Masterpiece, the second version, there'll be many more to come at Jerry Garcia Band Shows, and then we're doing it at Grateful Dead Shows. Definitely a keeper. Only the second second version of Masterpiece, and uh, for a second version, Jerry re- really nailed that one. Uh, and then the, just almost like a, well, actually, before I go on to the next song, let's hear a little bit of that, When I Paint My Masterpiece. to love that, man. When I Paint My Masterpiece. And you could just hear it in very in Jerry's voice on this night, man. He's like, look at how crazy and fucking brilliant Dylan is. Listen to, <laughs> to listen to this song he wrote, man. And you could just take it, um, you know, line by line. An incredible tune. Um, Jerry does adjust this second version. And from one brilliant songwriter to the next brilliant songwriter. Um, I'm thinking this one may have been... Introduced to the band by uh, by uh, by Merle, I'm sure Jerry obviously knew the tune, uh, but we get a little Stevie Wonder. um, Just Merle was a huge Stevie Wonder guy. Uh, I was made to love her, and this is you know we talk about I'm talking about the pairings on this night, just how things lined up. Um, On the second song of, of the show, you got Expressway, and this kind of mirrors almost Expressway on the other side of the tape. Uh, it's an instrumental of Stevie Wonder's song. Once again, they're just digging the groove, playing it funky. And this is also one of the greatest instrumentals I ever heard from Jerry Garcia. It's, it's right up there with Expressway. Uh, if someone says, you know, what's the best in- instrumentals you heard with no singing? Um, you know, definitely Expressway 1, this 2. And uh, the um, also the the Merle song earlier on, me. Uh, Save Mother Earth and to imagine—that's another great instrumental. But nothing I would put in the in the uh, tier of of these two. Everything I say about it, said about Expressway before. Ditto with this. Just a brilliant interpretation of Stevie Wonder's "I Was Made to Love Her." With a series of rolling peaks, just getting ho- and probably getting hotter and hotter. You know, there's no uh, off moment to this. It's you know when when, you, when I hear other versions of of these songs, just that there was something about this night. Whether it be Kreutzmann's drumming or just the, the excitement, like hey, this we are just like this knowing that they are a great band and they're they're on top of the world and they're in the right place at the right time or whatever it was, you know, just night this night just produced uh, the the most incredible music you ever want to hear. So uh, they did a masterful job of Stevie Wonder's "I Was Made to Love Her." Um, and moving right along, we, more another great songwriter, Doc Pomus. And back to the blues, you know, from funk to blues to soul, uh, just, you know, a, a show unlike the Grateful Dead we're obviously doing at the time. Just, you know, Gar- Garcia had found this other element that kind of what was missing from his musical life with, with the Jerry Garcia project here. And um, Doc Palmer's song uh, made famous by, by Ray Charles, Lonely Avenue. And Jerry did some some really good versions in this time period. What well, one of the things about this Pacific High show, a lot of some of these songs, uh, a good portion of them never had any any, unfortunately never had any life as the Garcia band went on. So that's what you know, in a way makes this show stand out so much. Um, a lot of these songs were captured during the Keystone period, which obviously is a, a sensational uh, re- recording. But I don't, even think, I don't think Keystone is even on level with, with this specific high. That's how hot they were on this night. And, and Keystone is we're not worthy kind of stuff. So this is above we're not worthy. Uh, so you got uh, the song made famous by Ray Charles, the Doc Palmer song, Lonely Avenue. My room has got two windows and the sunshine never comes through. But the, Jerry sings this like like a, like he's one of their brothers. Like he can and he can understand the pain. Both of these guys had childhood pain. Obviously, Ray Charles uh, going blind early in his life. Uh, you know, Jerry uh, lost his father in a drowning accident. Um, had a finger chopped off as a child. So he really went through some traumatic stuff. And it's almost like he's like a, a brother. He understands where 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 this lonely avenue pain comes from. But my god, the singing on this version. I don't know if there's a better Jerry vocal than you'll you'll hear on this Lonely Avenue, and and the jamming just a crazy like this is the is the best song of the night. It tops Expressway. It tops I Was Made to Love Her. You know, and all, all the other great stuff. This is the exclamation point. There's one more song to go in the show, but this right here, Lonely Avenue, is the exclamation point. And at, and right now, definitely, let's hear. A little bit of the as they bring it on home for a lonely avenue and obviously garcia's guitar playing is going to stand out but what blows me away here um is just the way john connor's playing bass uh just incredible over-the-top uh emotional instrumentation some out, outrageous playing there from the band. Everybody's digging in. Maybe you can just hear Billy and, and John Kahn uh, digging in with Jerry. Everybody's feeling the blues there. Lonely Avenue, Doc Pomas. And um, after all this intense music, uh, the last song of the night is How Sweet It Is. And this is a, it's an awesome version. Um, but after how heavy this show was... Um, all, all the great versions and the blues and the funk and Dylan and Lennon and uh, Jesse Winchester. Uh, just the, a- after after all that, how sweet it is is almost like playful fodder. Even though it's an excellent version, and it would go on to be by far the most played uh, Jerry Garcia band song uh, throughout the years. How sweet it is to be loved by you, and uh, that wrapped up. Uh, just a, an, an insane 90 minute show. Um, you know, with, with some of the best Grateful Dead shows, you're talking three, four hours. This is 90 minutes, and just 90 of the most satisfying, engaging minutes that you, you'll, you'll ever hear from any musician. So, just a, an awesome night for uh, Jerry Garcia, Merle Saunders, John Kahn, and Billy Kreutzman, Pacific High Studio. Now it's time for the Ozzy Allers interview. And um, as part of uh, Jerry Week, you guys are going to love this. So a bunch of years ago, I'm working on Positively Garcia. I reached out to Ozzy Allers. Uh, he told me to mail him the questions, and he would sent me back a, a, an audio response, which was a great way of doing it because it gave him a little time to think about the questions. And in coming weeks, I'm going to play more from this interview. Um, but what we're, we're going to hear right now... Um, my question was, what are your lasting reflections of touring with Jerry Garcia? And Ozzy's answer is just, it's incredible, man. Uh, Jerry Jerry touched us all in so many ways and through his music. But as a person, I think this is such a great testament uh, to who Jerry Garcia was as a person. Uh, here's Ozzy Allers. This is a good part because
1: I can tell you about... Um, uh, Jerry as one person, Jerry and Con together as another person. Um, working with uh, Rock Scully and having a stand-up guy like that around us, it was all just the way it should be musically as far as I'm concerned. Um, touring, working with Jerry, and knowing him outside the gig. I mean, he was he was going through some troubled times uh, when I was in the band. I'd go over and visit with him and John at a house they had in San Rafael, and um, there was some financial problems and other stuff going on. Jerry was always kind and generous, and no matter what, he split things with people. If you went to a gig, it was his name up on the board, Jerry Garcia Band, not the Ozzy Always Band, not the John Kahn Band, but we'd walk away from that gig, and we'd split it four ways. And I will tell you something, I don't know how to say this without, uh, he was so generous that in his will, He left uh, a strict, um, I don't know how to say it, It a strict testament that he wanted the money split equally with each band member. So if any projects came out under the JGB name, he would split the proceeds with everyone. And so he, even in his death, he was able to keep that intact and his family honored it. Uh, That's the kind of guy Jerry is. Um, (laughs) The other side of it is he's a sci-fi nut. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he and I had plenty to talk about on the tours. We uh, we both loved uh, science fiction. We both really liked uh, uh, Frank Herbert and. Um Especially the Isaac Asimov series and a lot of the uh, short stories and vonnegut and stuff like that. And (laughs) he wasn't impressed that I'd uh, you know played with Van or that I'd uh, you know my musical endeavors worked uh, worked in the south with uh, Spooner Oldham and people like that, who he really liked. He Jerry was an R and B fan. He loved uh, you know knowing that I worked with the people in Memphis. But uh, what Jerry was uh, most impressed with was that um, I had met Isaac Asimov. And uh, <laughs> that was really a big time to him. I, I told him uh, in passing that I um, knew a, a gal Woodstock. We were friends. Her name was uh, Tandy Sturgeon, and her father was Theodore Sturgeon, the great science fiction writer. And I was invited over to the house for lunch to, you know, I, I, I met her dad. He was a very interesting guy, but he had a friend visiting there uh, at the same lunch, and his name was Isaac Asimov. <laughs> and I actually got a chance to sit and talk and have lunch with... One of my uh, idols in uh, in in uh, in the science fiction world, and I think probably everybody's idol. Uh, he was sort of the grandfather of science fiction. If it wasn't Jules Verne, it was Isaac Asimov. So Jerry asked me over and over again. He would say, "So wh- what did he say? What did he eat? I mean, uh, when did he eat salad? You know, he would ask me questions like that. Would, with those squinty eyes of his, he he Every once in a while, he'd go, "Man, I still can't believe you met." Asimov and he would just say it in a funny way of Jerry's uh, only Jerry had that sense of humor he and Khan were almost like uh, the humor twins they had things that they would love to say to each other and uh, it always rubbed off on the whole tour and made it kind of a a joyous a joyous uh, a joyous time so uh, yeah uh, lasting impressions of Jerry kind um, generous really experimental really uh, creative and an enormous
0: sci-fi buff. Jerry Garcia, a sci-fi buff. Who knew? Uh, Yeah, great little uh, story there from uh, Ozzy Allers, who once again was the Jerry Garcia band uh, keyboardist, played a synthesizer in late 1979 through most of 1980. Uh, It was very cool getting a chance to hear from him. We'll be hearing more from him on future episodes this month of the podcast. Um, and once again, if you want to hear um, like Lonely Avenue, Expressway, takes a, It Takes a Lot to Laugh, A Train to Cry, uh, those versions are on my YouTube page. I think I also uploaded the masterpiece there. And I'm going to, um, two of them are on my uh, Deadology Facebook page right now, uh, the, the Deadology Podcast Facebook page. You could join the group, um, yeah, because some of this Garcia stuff is, is tough to find and Really, everybody should be. This is this music is so great; it should be out there. Everybody should have easy access to it. Um, but yeah, we're lucky to have the access we have, man. And I do appreciate uh, that we're able to, you know, have it on YouTube and places like that, because uh, it's uh, you know, so especially this show, the best, man. It's, it's number. I put it number one for a reason. I don't think anybody could knock it out of the top spot. There's no no argument for for another show that's going to take this one out of the top spot. But uh, the cool thing, there's a lot of great Garcia Band stuff through the years, and we're going to dip into more through February. We got three more podcasts that are going to be all Jerry uh, Garcia Band. We might throw some Acoustic Jerry in there. So, uh, yeah, Uh, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Howard Weiner. Uh, My book, Positively Garcia, Reflections of the JGB, is available on my website, tangleupintunes.com. All my books are up there easy access to the podcast, my YouTube page. It's like a, it's a nice little hub to get to any of these uh, spots, uh, the YouTube or the, um, you know, if you want to get to Amazon for my books, um, podcasts are, are, are there. So it's, it's a, an easy little hub to uh, connect to everything. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening. And this is going to be a great month. We're going to have uh, some interesting people on, some more Ozzy Allers, and a lot more Hot Jerry Garcia Band. Peace out we